um, <clears throat> well, it's a, a multi-part um, yes. inquiry. Um, first part is your sense of ego. Um, in this culture, at least, it seems as though it's an inevitable, um, natural, important part of uh, development. Mm -hmm. And um, <laughs> that somewhere in childhood or early on, yes. there's some um, disconnection from true nature, the divine mm -hmm. essence. Yes, right. And at least in the West, um, the ego is necessary. Mm -hmm. um, for a certain part of life and then um, some people are called to look beyond that, look, yes. look to something deeper, yes. more right. true, more essential. Um, and I don't know whether it's true in other places. For example, you know, the four-year-olds in um, Tibet who are, mm -hmm. you know, become Rinpoche's and you spoke of the mad, bad treatment of some of them. but. Mm -hmm. um, it's, a, it's an interesting question to me in terms of how we look at kids, how yes. kids are raised, right. how the schools work, um, and also kind of the mystery of some people eventually start to look beyond that, yes. this path or other, other paths. Sure. So um, rather than go outwardly to all of this, uh, which are important to areas, of course, but since the key word or concept to use at the moment is uh, ego. What definition would you give to it, just to see that we're more or less talking about the same thing? What, um, what, what, how would you describe ego? My understanding of ego at this point is something that's conditioned, something that um, is defensive in nature is defensive yeah is mm -hmm. or that's one element yeah, um, right. something that um, is a reaction yeah. to external circumstances maybe mm -hmm. also it's just inherent in each person that there's some personality some structure yeah that we end up identifying with yeah. and taking to be for much of our lives or for most of us who we who we are yeah sure and that it's ultimately a burden. Right. I, I couldn't agree with you more. So why on earth would we want to develop it? <laughs> well, I guess that's the piece I, didn't, I neglected is that in order to, and this is part of the question, in order mm. to transcend or yes. look beyond ego, that there's got to be some stability, some sense of yes. self that is not too fragmented, not too um, given that's strong, I agree. Give, given uh, uh, important area, sometimes a little bit with the words, mm -hmm. the, 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 the language here. So, the this kind of description which you gave is the same description as in the tradition, in the Buddhist tradition. That is, use of uh, the ego is always, without exception, used in the tradition, in the Dharma, as that which is unsatisfactory about the I. And that can show itself in defensiveness, of course, one, um, attack, uh, fear, withdrawal, 
um, in terms of its uh, growth uh, in, in a way which generates problems and pressure for oneself or for others. Uh, ego is the inflation of I, making oneself feel very important above others. And ego is equally, um, we call it the low sense of self-esteem, um, being negative towards oneself, Lo low sense of self-worth, which is the I which has uh, the weight of negative reaction upon it. So we inflate or we deflate uh, there and the same mind, of course, can be inflated in some areas and feel worthless and useless in other areas. So the eyes are rising, unsatisfactory factors in the psyche or in the personalities impact on the eye, inflating, deflating, withdrawal, defending, attacking, wanting, hating, pulled towards, pulled away from, all of that is the unsatisfactoriness on the eye. And this is called ego. This, is, this in Dharma language, ego. The actual word in the East is ahamkara. And ahamkara, aham is I, and kara means making. I'm making activities. That, yeah, we either make I making activities through knocking ourselves down, building ourselves, projecting, making ourselves there. Do we need to keep cultivating and developing that in your experience or what's the alternative? At this point in my life, no. Right. Um, except, well, this is the, the other, other part of the question, but, right, go on. which is, and I don't want to get to that just yet. Well, no. let, right, we're going let, to let me stay with this. You said multi um, Not at this point, which is part of the reason I'm no. on this path and yeah. other spiritual mm. practices mm -hmm. is that I guess a sense on a certain level that the ego is that that's not a vehicle to happiness that yep. it's limiting that it causes a lot of suffering when I'm living my life from that place mm -hmm. um, was there another part of what yes so sometimes we, we it, it, other people I mean, western um, psychology or whatever and equally they're right, may use uh, ego in some positive way, mm. you know, something mm. that you develop, cultivating, that you need and can't do without, uh, etc. And that's, yeah. words are defined not by their inherent meaning, but by social agreement. You know, what you and I agree, right. that's the way we can work with the language. So there's, uh, if I may, uh, keeping it to the Dharma understanding. Ego is I-making activity. I, 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 me, 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 in all the various ways that we start getting stuck around the eye, so to speak, things impacting on the eye. And then sometimes we might say to our, might say to our self, might say to our I, oh, I need a stable sense of self, I need a stable sense of I or me. What's your, what's your response if you, when you hear that? Um. Well, I'm thinking, first of all, the difference between adults and children in just yes. developmental phase. Um, can, I, can I make a... Yeah. Uh, can I interrupt your dualism? Sure. Uh, <laughs> um, uh, in your life, yeah. 
um, it would, and as with everybody else's life, it's rather arbitrary what we could, uh, call adult and child. Yes, yeah, right. this is true. So you don't have to, you know, go outwardly here. Just look to your own. Right. Okay. Um, well, I'll try to access the child and the adult within me and answer from there. Good luck. Um, <laughs> um, I'm finding it difficult to know from my own experience yes. because it's a limited experience of my sense of self. Yeah. And it's hard for me to picture myself as a different ego or a different yeah. self so oh, that lovely. Yeah. Um, w which makes it my sense is that for each person it's it's uh, there's a spectrum yeah. of ego healthiness and ego strength and then you, we've got a difficulty uh -huh. only, only uh, semantic yeah in Dharma, yeah. you know, I'm a Dharma but I know not much knowledge of uh, psychology except for what I've read and talked to other people. In, in Dharma, um, the idea of uh, ego strength um, uh, is, is, question, is questionable mm -hmm. because it means that person has the stronger the ego, right. the bigger the ego. Yeah. And it's dreadful living in this world with big egos around. So the, if one can keep, it's not easy to do, if you wouldn't mind, keeping to the unsatisfactory condition of the ego. Mm -hmm. You know, we look at somebody and say, God, I've got such a big ego, yeah. I don't like to be around this person, or whatever. Or uh, this, uh, this person, you know, they're always attacking themselves, so that low sense of self-worth, that means the, the ego is under pressure from negativity. If we just use the I, or the sense of self, with that which is impacting around it or on it, we call it ego. Right. Eastern Sanskrit's more precise. You know, I-making activity. I, 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 me, me, I, I. And we know it's difficult to be around, either with ourselves or with others, if it's always I, 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 me, 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 my, 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 because it's I-making activity. This, this is what, in this language, in this tradition, as I say, means ego. Mm -hmm. Can we look at this ego? Can we look? Yes. yes. All right. Good. And therefore? And therefore. Um, it's definitely, I'm feeling like I'm a little bit, it's a confusing place right here. Yeah, with no, this yeah, because, take your time. Um, I guess my, my idea up until this moment has yes. been that we need something that, and maybe I'm speaking more from the Western psychological you are. You are. ego. Um, but using your <laughs> sticking to the dharmic yeah, ego. Yeah, I mean, Western psychology in the inner life, honestly, is a new kid on the block. Right. Really. You know, two and a half thousand years we're talking. They have a little bit more experience. Anyway, carry on. Um, <laughs> so it's, there's a mystery, mystery to me of what it is that brings someone to the place of wanting to look at the ego. Yeah, lovely. At sorry. Okay, lovely. We go slowly, step by step. There is this capacity, and had a dialogue with somebody else the other day in here, of course, about the capacity to bring awareness to the ego. Mm -hmm. hmm? Ego is the I in an unsatisfactory expression. Hmm? And, and we can see, and we can really be aware of, of that. 
could the awareness of that be incredibly valuable for a human being regardless of her or his age? Yes. Right. Absolutely. So in Dharma language, we don't need to develop the ego. It might be more useful to develop our understanding and our awareness. What's your response? Well, in this culture, it's so... so if much it was only in America, I think the rest of the world would be, would be incredibly happy. But mm -hmm. unfortunately, it's not. It, mm -hmm. It's global. Right. Um, well, it's an interesting... Where that idea that we've got to work on the ego, not yeah. not looking at it, but within, yeah, the, yeah, 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 right. In some way, where that comes from. I mean, where that kind of that initial, where that separate disconnection comes from, mm. um, from being in touch with true nature, whatever we term we give sure. it, right. um, which seems, you know, mm. and I can't speak globally, but no. we'll assume that it's for the most part global. Mm -hmm. um, what it is in human development that creates this disconnection? All right, good question, all right. So, supposing you and I have an answer. We look at this, or whatever, and we say, oh, this is the cause for this disconnection which produces egos which are distant and fragmented, either within itself, one side of me says this, the other side of me says that, that kind of conflict, and fragmented and disconnected from others. As further demonstrations of unsatisfactory ego uh, there. Supposing we said, oh, I found this is the cause, this is the uh, reason. Would it really make any difference to know how it started? On a certain level, no. no. The answer, the, uh, the level that feels important is in terms of how we raise kids, terms of how we educate. We keep moving out, William. Okay. You. Me. You're the adult and you're the kid. Okay. Oh, right, right, right. We're speaking for everyone. Um, would, it, would it really, would it make, it no, might do. It would not. I agree. I agree. wouldn't I make agree. one bit of difference. Because then if we, we set a cause and then we'd say, oh, that's the cause. And then the obvious question was, well, what caused that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So sometimes it seems, as the Buddha said, there are certain questions, I think he gave 14 of them, which he said, just not worth bothering with. You just asked one of them. <laughs> <laughs> so there sometimes we, 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 we look, and, and then, as you say, so much emphasis is given on the arising of the self. In a very simple way, there are, uh, the words anusaya, there are latent tendencies towards when we are born. There are latent tendencies towards, latent dispositions towards ego developing, and there is the impact on the world around us. Parents, peers, everything that goes on around we call culture, we call society. The meeting of that, the meeting with the, low, with the latent tendencies, and that produces the eye, develops the eye, and with it, easily, the impacting collusion aspect, producing ego, 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 ego. Some, not too much influences from the tendencies, meaning pretty well integrated. Not identifying quite naturally too much with the, what goes on around. There's a certain steadiness in the being, you and I might call. Self is pretty steady. Self is, and, and there are some, despite everything in the world, we meet 
a certain steadiness in the being. There we might call it. The self is, is steady. Not a lot of ego in it through inflation or deflation. Just pretty, pretty steady. And that uh, steadiness is... What, what do you think contributes to that steadiness? There's a steadiness there, which is a comfort with tendencies in inner life, personality life, and, um, and not caught up mm. in all that's coming through our senses on the day-to-day level. What, what do you think contributes to that steadiness? A steady sense of I, not too much stuck around it, which we call ego. What contributes in your life to being steady? Just a simple sense of self, a simple sense of I, not ego, either putting down or boosting up, or sometimes between the two. Mm -hmm. Um, Well, I guess certain inner resources that... um, Mm -hmm. Again, I probably can't name all the causes no, and all no, the factors. No, of course not, no. Just, just um, a few to, as a contribution. Well, certainly the practice. Yeah. Um, certainly just awareness all right. in, in itself, whether formal sitting or um, paying attention. Yeah, so all these things. There's awareness, of course, and paying uh, attention, and, and, and many other natural wisdoms that we... That some have, even from childhood have, guarding the senses. Some children, no. And also, what do you think from outside contributes very much in your life to steadiness, that you, can, that you receive from outside that contributes to you feeling steady and, and therefore not getting on your own case, putting yourself down and not inflating yourself because that's ego and we want to dissolve the force of ego in our existence. What, what, what contributes? What do you find contributes to your steadiness from outside towards you? Environmental. Um, friends. Friends. Connections. Um, family. All right. Um, but what, what's that? I mean, sometimes some people say, not my family. Well, sometimes you know, my right. family. Oh, yeah, right. okay. <laughs> it's, it's a mixed bag, but yeah, I'll right. include Most them in the yeah, yeah. steadying at this, no, all right. this point. Good. Very nice. Tomorrow, maybe, unsteadying. Mm, right. um, so, what, what, but what, there's the persons, as you say, friends. But what, it, what which is important, mm-hmm. but what is it that you receive from them that contributes to a steady sense of uh, uh, self without the highs and the lows, which, we, which we're calling ego? Something about being in relationship with other people requires a, I mean, there's, first of all, wanting to be accepted, which I think can actually have a, can compromise steadiness when I'm starting to act from a place, oh, I want them to like me. All right. Very good. I mean, it's an incredibly important point here. So sometimes there is easy, understandable, one reaches out, one wanting attention or wanting uh, something from uh, others, and... If we get it short-lived, we feel better about ourselves. It may, that feeling may stay okay for a little while, but then very easily we want more. We want it again, we keep reaching out again, and then the other person or persons feels the pressure, they step back, one collapses, and one feels very low and down, literally, metaphorically, etc. So, again, receiving, and sometimes appropriately connecting with, reaching out for support is 
uh, important at times in certain situations, and that can help to steady us when we're going through a hard time, when we reach out, and sometimes it's we really need to do that. It's very, very uh, important. There, and then it helps to steady us. Go on, anything else? Um, well, it's interesting thinking about the external factors because yeah. I don't know if I so much take them for granted or I'm more aware of the internal factors. Yeah. I'm more aware of, because, um, you know, friends and anyone else, ultimately you can't depend on them to no. act the way mm. you want them to in a situation mm. or to always be there or to be there in the right way, etc. Um, Do you know the, so the, the Buddha's definition of friendship? Is it? No, you don't. The Buddha's definition of friendship is a person who is willing to be honest with us and isn't concerned with flattery. Flattery. Good definition. A yeah. person is willing to be honest with us out of friendship, not out of negativity, and isn't concerned with uh, uh, flattery, flattering our ego. And a I mean, person makes best appreciation at something else. But sometimes there's this flattering of people's ego for all sorts of funny motives. So, again, sometimes we need to be able to listen as well and appreciate the appreciations that come to us as well and acknowledge them. And that can give a genuine sense inside of oneself of one's value as a human being without it being used to inflate the ego. So all this part of the inner dynamic, looking at tendencies that inflate or deflate the ego, looking at the way that we receive from others, they all contribute to a steadying of the self. Even a steady self, not buffeted around by ego, that means the collision of personality issues around the, the feeling, the sense of I, or self, or my. Would that be enough? To have a life which is pretty steady, not big ego, not down ego, acknowledging the inner movements that go on that sometimes affect the sense of I and self, and acknowledging uh, and attending to the, that which comes from outside. It might be praise and blame, it might be the eight worldly conditions, it might be success and failure, it might be gain and loss, or pleasure and pain. All these, these four of, of eight worldly factors which can have an extraordinary impact on the sense of self. Praise and blame, gain and loss, pleasure and uh, pain, etc. So uh, looking at all of that, exploring all of that, as I say, contributes to a sense of a grounded self, grounded in our awareness, in our understanding, in our being. Is that enough? Be a, a grounded, well-integrated person, not pushed, not, going up and down? Not for me. No, right. Good. Why not? There's something, a certain level of dissatisfaction, a yeah. certain sense that, I guess the best way of putting it is disconnection from something deeper. Yeah, from lovely. something larger. All right, lovely, lovely. So even even in the sense of self, which is happy and calm and uh, peace and well-adjusted and all those things which we appreciate with ourselves and with others that we that we meet, even in that, as again Sally was pointing out in the talk the other night, even in that sense, there's something unsatisfactory 
simply because it isn't completely fulfilling. And therefore, even the sense of I it has an unsatisfactoriness about it, subtle as it might be. Then what? Even the steady sense of I and self, and, and, and well-adjusted one, lovely as it is, then what? Well, this retreat, yeah, yeah, um, right. something mm-hmm. that, well, for me, practices that um, start to question that whole steadiness, All right. or yeah. which is yeah. sometimes more steady than others, yeah. obviously. It could be, though, if you question the steadiness, it will get kind of unsteady. Well, I've had some of that. Yeah, yeah, right, right, right. <laughs> so, in a way, is it, that, is it that we could kind of, if it's steady, mm. something is steady and we're familiar with it, in a way it could be a contribution, a helpful one, to kind of forgetting it. It's steady, we can leave it alone. Don't have to keep attending to it, don't have to keep getting the right balance with it, don't have to keep being concerned about what the ego, you know, ego machinations around it. There's a steadiness uh, which is there. And therefore, there's a forgetfulness of the self. What does that tell you? Forget yourself. Forget your steady sense of I and your steady sense of me and my. Mm. Then, then where are you going to go now? Well, from that steady ego place, that's a... No, steady non-ego place. Ego oh, is not, yes, not a hoping hell of being steady. All right, but so from the steady non-ego place, right. forget the self. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, okay, and where does that leave me? Yeah. Uh, well, it leaves the me. Yeah. Uh, Some place that the me has no way, it can't figure out. All right. I mean, it's totally new territory. Yeah, all right. So... It leaves one and not being able to figure out. You know, we, we think we can figure out so much about our life in all sorts of ways and the self is constantly engaged in trying to figure out itself in relationship to lots of other selves, etc. And in the steadiness, it seems like I can't figure out it. I just can't figure it out. There. What's the value and benefit of being hopelessly inadequate to figure anything out that matters. <laughs> What's the value of it? Can't, my mind cannot figure existence out. I can't figure myself out, so how can I have any hope of figuring, figuring anything else out? What's um, the value of that? Well, for me, those moments, it's been a huge relaxation. A huge, huge relaxation. Nice one. Uh, just, I don't have to do all this work. I'm spending so much time and energy trying to figure it out yeah. and plan. And uh, right. this is where I'm supposed to get to, and this is what I'm supposed to look like. Yeah. And so, at that moment where I mean, it may be overwhelming and confusing and frustrating, yeah. but there's that place where I can just rest. Yeah. All right. So sometimes, as you say, when for all much effort, time, and energy trying to figure things out, often about what happened in the past, what's going on in the present, what's going on in the future, the figuring out seems to spend a lot of time in time. And we see all, the, all, all of that. One gets weary of it, again, using the Buddha's word. When weary of trying to figure everything out. That can lead, and does lead, as you point out, to a, a great sense of uh, rest. 
there. That sense of rest, what's the sense and feeling? What's the communication? What's the intimation? When there's a giving up of trying to work it all out and comes back to a state of restful being, what's that telling you? Telling me that 99% of my life I'm barking up the wrong tree. Um, I mean, <laughs> it tells, it gives me a reference point. I think point. it's more than that, but anyway. Yes. <laughs> I'm being generous with no, no, myself. I, I noticed, yes, right. Um, it, it gives me a reference point for realizing yeah. and learning how, I, how not to do things. All right, all right. How not to live. Yeah, okay. So sometimes the state of rest, uh, that, that to say, makes clear a lot of, lot of things about the unsatisfactoriness of doing, the unsatisfactoriness of doing, 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 uh, eye-making activities, uh, etc. When sees that going on with us in countless ways, there's a certain tiring uh, of, of, of that. Sometimes there could be a fear arising of, gosh, I'll just end up being passive or indifferent. If one's really in a state of rest, it won't. It will generate a beautifully sweet flowing energy into life. But just at the moment, more importantly, there's a sense of uh, rest uh, which is there. What else is the rest telling you besides helping to put a clearer perspective on the outflow of your life? What, what else is the communication? Well, big word for me these days that comes to mind is trust. Trust. Um, Good. I trust that, first of all, I don't have to do so much. Yeah. And second of all, that you know, this possibility that, wait a minute, things really are okay, yeah. just as they are. That, right. um, I mean, there's a trust in myself. I mean, it's a trust that is, is less dual, I guess. Good, beautiful, lovely, lovely to hear. I, I, your your uh, responses are lovely. So, there, as you said, there's a sense of rest. It helps us to look at what's going on in terms of the doings, which is where the I-I-making activity tends to go on so frequently. That brings us down to a sense of rest. That rest brings a trust, but that trust seems bigger than oneself, bigger than the I. And therefore, as you said, it has the intimation of a trust, which is non-dual, means much more embracing. Not just trusting in my life or what I'm doing with my life, but a, a more... Uh, a trust which is bigger, a trust which is, dare one say, almost in the way of things. Mm. Therefore, it's uh, greater, greater than the, the sense of I. Any, anything else with regard to? To, to this, yes, to everything. Yes. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, I mean the other. Uh, element to this was going to be balancing kind of since we're all unique individual selves in this world oh, this is a, back to psychology Hang no, on. okay all right but yes. it seems to me true you know we all do different things for a living where you know we have different preferences mm. we have different likes dislikes yes. th- that are real i mean we're not all you know though there may be one nature that we're, we're all a part of, we're still can I, unique. Can I do another interruption? Yes. Yes, sir. Listen too much and read too much at this point. And uh, once we get into the, the uh, large um, hand-sweeping generalities uh, there and the, the views pouring out so 
fast. It was lightning quick uh, uh, there. It, um, uh, there's the expressions of going on. I, I don't know if there's that much dif- difference between uh, human beings. The idea of you, uh, unique, uh, I've never, have never met one, but anyway, who am I to? <laughs> to me, it all looks like heart, mind and body. I am, seems to be pretty common, all the human beings, so I can't see any which is unique. Okay. So the idea of uniqueness, I think, is ego. Ego. I am unique. Uh, all right. Well. All right. So c- let, let's, uh, body, feelings, perceptions, thoughts, states of mind. Right. Uh, birth, aging, pain, and death, and everything else. I mean, no, nothing too. Like nothing unique. That's okay. All right. So, right, right, so if we drop the unique, unique yeah. I am a unique uh, ideology. What's the sense then? The, the sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, 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 go back to the place oh, of if, rest. Oh, if, if we're not all unique, then yeah, we're Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. We're, actually, we're actually, we share everything. We have much more in common. Uniqueness is... is, is anyway, you do it. Okay. okay. <laughs> um, the sense then is... Uh, What's the sense? in rest, undemanding on the world. Ego, as you pointed out so clearly earlier on, creates a sense of separation. Dropping the ego, dropping the sense of separation. Deep sense of rest. Greater sense and a deep sense of rest of what we have in common. Anything else that begins to reveal itself in that deep sense of rest without ego and we're forgetting our even our quiet sense of self, which would cre- has a little, even a sense of I, yeah. has a little feeling of separation. You know, oh, yes. I am here and you are there. Right. Little bit of, even willing to drop that little sense of separation. Um, there's a sense of connection. All right. A right. sense of not not needing to do anything. Right. In a um, that we're all fine. I mean that. All right. You know, there's none of that uh, comparing mind, uh, yeah. trying to, you know, adjust things ever so slightly so that yeah. I feel better. Or, okay, know. lovely. So when the awareness again, and, and good to hear, that it, how easily, quickly it moves into self and other. Comparing is the fruit of it. Mind comes to a great sense of rest, isn't engaged in doing that. That generates a deeper sense of connection. That deeper sense of connection begins to reveal the way things really are. They really, really, really are. But just finally to comp- um, uh, on this, um, when you walked up and saw your uh, vest, um, are you interested in being a champion? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I, I thought, in a sense, I already was. But um, <laughs> um, well, I hope you don't have that when you leave here. <laughs> that sense? Or yeah, that's this shirt? <laughs> I mean, this... this no, this champion. is this is just a little advertising. But but I, I it, it <laughs> and I know what a big fan of advertising yeah, yeah, you no, are. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> no, there's nothing. Although it is, it, it can be an inspiration. For what? You know, to to be present. Oh, all right. 
All right. All right. No, I, I, there's, okay. there's nothing to this. So shirt. next time I meet you, it'll, it'll stay, it will say, be present on it. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it might, yeah. All right. Okay. Good to talk with Thank you. Thank you. My question has yes, mm -hmm. something to do with uh, death and grief and yes. mourning, but I don't know exactly what the question is, so I'm hoping you can help me flesh it sure, out. Sure, please, yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, I did something in the middle of this retreat that I haven't done before. Usually, mm. I don't like to be disturbed or interrupted on a retreat, no. so I, I, my outgoing message on my voicemail, just it's the usual message, I'm yeah. not home, leave a message. Yeah. And for some reason uh, that I don't know, uh, I picked up the phone, the payphone, and on Wednesday, and changed the message, mm. and said something like, uh, "I'm away on a vipassana retreat. Uh, if this is a life or death emergency, here's the phone number. Mm -hmm. If it's not a life or death uh, emergency, uh, leave a message. I'll call mm. you when I get back." Mm. And then I got a message from you this morning mm -hmm. yeah, right, Steve. Mm -hmm. uh, from my mother saying that this dear friend of mine had died. Mm. And my question has to do with this experience that I've, I've been carrying around of grieving. Mm. And I, I got that note at the beginning of uh, a walking meditation. Right. Mm -hmm. And I, I experienced a great deal of sadness, and I, I just tried to be with it and walk with it. Mm -hmm. uh, but when I really uh, grounded myself in the feet, in the breathing, mm -hmm. and just uh, listened to the wind, and checked in with my heart, I actually, on a feeling level, my heart felt like it had felt previously. Mm. I, I wasn't aware. I couldn't find any sadness in this much deeper mm. part of myself. Mm. And part of me felt guilty about it. Part of yeah, my sure. part of me understand. Right. It's like, what's going on? Do I, do mm -hmm. I have a heart of stone? Mm. And, and then, of course, thoughts would come up, feelings would come up. But the, the thoughts and the feelings of uh, this friend who I've known all my life, and this wasn't unexpected. She'd been dying of cancer for mm -hmm. quite some time. Uh, all seem to be on this egoic level. Mm. When I didn't think about it, or even when I didn't feel about it, but more on a surficial level, there just seemed to be the same sort of undercurrent of peacefulness that I've been feeling on the retreat, and which mm. I generally get to mm -hmm. on the retreats that I've been on. Mm. So I'm wondering about the nature of this kind of suffering, this kind of grieving, it, it seems like there's an appropriateness, but I, I'm, I'm having trouble understanding yeah, it. Sure, sure, sure. Um, uh, many, many factors uh, 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 to this. Of course, as you mentioned, there's uh, uh, many years of connection and relationship to, to the person and and then 
sometimes as these things uh, uh, happen um, in ways which one can't explain, you, 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 you altered the message on the, on, the, on the machine. It was a very appropriate uh, one, and the message came uh, uh, through to uh, Lizzie with regard to uh, your friend's uh, death. Let me ask, did, did you, it was your mother who telephoned, did, did you contact her? Yes. How is your mo- mother, did your mother know her? Oh, yeah. And how's your mother coping with this? How is she She with seems it? to be coping pretty well, but it's hard to tell. She, uh, she's an emotional, heart-based person, but she seemed to be in her head yeah. quite a bit, talking a lot about, oh, it's hard to understand why beautiful people die and bad people live. And yeah, sure. Yeah, but how are you feeling, Mom? How are you doing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I think she's hurting, but I think she's coping all right. All right. So, what one thing obviously at the practical level to uh, keep the flow of contact with the phone or whatever is appropriate with your mother uh, there, if uh, it uh, easily means um, feelings and emotions and vulnerability uh, there. And so sometimes just thinking about life and death as your mother is doing. And I think those kind of questions that she's raising. In fact, I think it is a, a fine and legitimate response and will have feelings in, in them. They won't be ex- excluded from, from the feelings there. So sometimes, and over the years, as you can imagine, of um, you know, teaching hundreds of retreats, I've had to uh, speak to many people, or leave, uh, uh, provide the note or read out a telegram or, or whatever on many... Uh, changes in people's lives through bereavement, through accidents and health issues, etc. And teachings are very much around, of course, the, um, working with these situations. In fact, the greater the calmness of being that there is, it's it, the easier it is for us to adjust to it. Sometimes, and this is what you seem to be intimating, that one feels that uh, one ought to be grieving over, and because that's what is expected in a loss, in a in a in a bereavement, which is there. What's your sense of? It seems like that isn't happening. What's what's the sense you get? The sense I get is that it is happening, but it's it's not happening where I expect it. Mm. Right. And what what, did, what is it that it's more subtle, and the way you expect it is more would be more um, uh, intense and stronger? What what's the difference? Yeah. I think I I expected it to be. First of all, I, I had been preparing for it for a long time. Mm-hmm. So, on, in one way, I was rather surprised of the intensity. Yes. Uh, but I'm also surprised it's not its not as consuming, it's not as overwhelming mm-hmm. as I would have thought. And it does, I can't really find words for this, but it seems to exist on what I'm calling an egoic level mm-hmm. because I can observe it coming and going. It, mm. it comes and goes mm. a lot. I mean, I, I was steadier Yes. Yesterday, but uh, my concentration doesn't seem to be quite as good. But it comes and it goes, and when it goes, when it's not there, the same 
peacefulness that I was aware mm. of yesterday is still there, and that level doesn't seem to be participating. I mm. mean, it doesn't seem to be grieving. It doesn't seem to be affected. It just seem, it seems it feels supportive. Yeah, it feels Beautiful. caring, uh, Beautiful. but not grieving. Good, important, very very important. This. So, um, in um, I remember on the uh, opening talk, I uh, or opening period of the time that we were here, I um, made reference to just to go to the text room. This this talk of the Buddha. Four foundations of awareness. And then he says, what are the four foundations for awareness in life? And then he says, I think I was quoted, the body, the feelings, states of mind, including thoughts, and the Dharma. These are all important areas for awareness. And then he asks, what is the purpose for the four foundations of awareness? And then he says, to, you know, to purify the mind. And then he says, to overcome Grief, sorrow, lamentation, that's, you know, intense grief, and despair, which is often the outcome of grief. Grief, sorrow, lamentation, and despair. And sometimes, in the depth which takes place as uh, the speaking there, the sense of I, in this case, the sense of I as the friend, or it could be for somebody a sense of I as a family member. And then there is the movement of those a kind of accumulated feelings over the period of time. And for some, even despite quite long preparation, I've noticed this many times over the years, despite quite long preparation, it doesn't necessarily make the death any easier. And sometimes the death is utterly out of the blue. And therefore, the self, the sense of I, is deprived of a major activity of life. It grieves for the loss, but it grieves for itself, loss as well. And sometimes it's incredibly strong. I'm not saying it in any kind of selfish way, but the, 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 the self, the sense of I, has lost an activity which it's got used to and familiar with and close with and intimate with, no friendship. And it's taken away, sometimes gradually, a gradual death or an, uh, an abrupt one. And of course, then there is the grief. It's grieving over itself as much as it's grieving over its loss, I would say. There. Sometimes, that deeper access which you just referred to, which is, is deeper than grief can go. It's a non-grieving sensitivity to the situation, a non-sorrowing sensitivity, a non-despairing one, because it's not, the sense of self and loss is not the issue. There's some, some a deeper, like the person speaking previously, a kind of a restfulness in spite, and a steadiness in that restfulness, in spite of change. Of course, quite often we don't have access to that, and all that we know is the mode of the relationship, self and other, and then loss or change that can go with it. But the deeper access, embrace it like the ocean, 
embraces the two waves, the wave called yourself and in the form of a friend and the wave called your friend who's, who's gone, who's passed. It's important to be comfortable with that depth because the self can feel I ought to be grieving over. I ought to be feeling more sadness than this. As though that is a statement of the connection. It isn't. We're just listening. The deeper we are, the, the, the stronger the connection. And sometimes the sense of connection is so strong, the person's presence in this world or their absence doesn't seem to make the difference. Sometimes there can be a death in life and a deep sense of restfulness. The connection is there, and even if the person has gone, then there's feelings about that, but not in a way that generates the grief or the despair. Something mysterious about when it's when there's a very deep sense. And sometimes people at the time or years or years later recover that sense of that deep connection, very, very deep connection, and know it will always be there, even though the person may have died years ago. And just knows there's a connection and, and nothing's going to take it away. Not a death, not a change. And so sometimes the deeper there, which is less I and loss, is sometimes we can naturally discover and find that. It's very, very one of the sweetest things of, of life. The, the teachings keep pointing to that depth so that we overcome the grief, the sorrow, the lamentation and despair. Any, any response? I'm glad you said it was a mystery. <laughs> it is a mystery. It is a mystery. No, it's uh, also it's reassuring. I don't feel that I'm lacking for grieving, uh, or that I'm not grieving enough. Good. But rather, am I grieving deeply enough? Am I grieving as deeply as I'm capable? No need. That was my question. Yeah. No need. No. No. No need. It, the, the, the thought along those lines could, could possibly put some uh, pressure on the self to grieve more deeply. I, and the pressure on the self may produce more grief, but due to the pressure. I, don't, I, I sense that that could be. And I, but I recognize that this question arises from ego. Like it is an ought. Yes. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was strong enough that I wanted to ask. Yeah, no. Good, it, but I also had a sense that the resolution, mm. or I don't know if resolution is the right word, but uh, the peace that might come out of this process lay in this place, yeah. which yeah. I think you've cast more light on for me. Yes. It, it, I, I, as you spoke, another example. Little sim, little similar, another kind of loss, where uh, some uh, years ago a friend of mine was moving. He and his wife were just about to move. They had bought a house. There were just two or three. It's been ages trying to find one. Just about to move into it, 
she's a, a, a psychotherapist and she and uh, uh, she has a business and and then she decided and he said totally out of the blue that not only did even though they'd signed the papers they didn't want to move into their house but she didn't want to be in the relationship anymore with him and there's no other third person nothing he was completely out of the blue he just had no picked up no signal she just said no and I'm, I'm and, mo- and moved out. And so he came round to uh, talk, and the, the comment that he made really touched me. He said he was crying, he was sobbing. They'd been together you know, several years and, and very close, and she just moved out, and there was no way she was coming, uh, coming back. And he was sobbing. But, uh, and then he said, but deep down, Christopher, everything is okay. So even sometimes in the midst of grieving over loss, deep down there's something steady, which is steady with everything. And I think that is just precious. Precious. The talk last night was pointing that way. The previous inquiry was pointing that way. This communication is pointing that way. I felt it. Thank you. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.